as we continue our study in Ephesians, we learn that the life we live in Christ should come to bear on all our earthly relationships between spouses, between parents and children, between employers and employees. This powerful sermon leads into a powerful time of repentance, forgiveness and healing. Before we make our declaration, I just want us to go to Luke, the fourth chapter. And we're going to read a couple of verses and then we're going to rise up to make our declaration. In Luke chapter 4, uh, verses 17, yeah, verses 17 and 18, Luke 4, 17 and 18. It's recorded for us here that as Jesus entered the synagogue on the Sabbath day, verse 17 says, He was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, uh, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant, sat down, and the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed upon him. Then he began to say to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So we know that Jesus was actually quoting from Isaiah 61 when he was reading these verses. What I want to just point out is how Jesus took the word and he applied it to himself. He said, this word, he's applying it to himself. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, meaning him. The spirit of the Lord is upon him. And he has anointed me to do this, this, this. So he's taking a passage of scripture from Isaiah and he's saying it's fulfilled in your ears. It's, it's, it's happening in, in, in before your eyes. It's fulfilled in me. What I want to just bring to our attention is that we too must take the word of God and say it is fulfilled in me. It's legal to do that. Amen? Jesus did it. Psalm 23. You take it and say it's mine. Today. This scripture is fulfilled in my life. The Lord is my shepherd. You know, don't read it and say, the Lord is my neighbor's shepherd. (laughs) Hey, he's my shepherd. You know, he's for me. This word is for me. So I want to encourage you. Take the word. Make it personal. It's mine. It's for me. And you declare it. Jesus made a proclamation. He made an announcement. He didn't just, you know, think about it. Or, you know, pray about it. All of that is good. But he announced it. He made a public declaration. This scripture is fulfilled in my life. It's, it's fulfilled before your eyes. It's being fulfilled in me. Amen? So it's legal. It's very legal to take the word of God and make it your own. To say, it's fulfilled in me. Let's rise up to our feet this morning as we make our declaration. We are saying everything God has said concerning his people is true in my life. Let's say this out loud, bold and strong together. This is God's word. This is God speaking to me. I am who God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. I will become everything God has promised. I'm saved, healed, delivered, redeemed. I'm blessed, victorious, prosperous, triumphant. I'm a minister of God. A servant of Christ and a channel of his blessing to many people. I receive his word. I believe his word. And I live by his word. 
Christ is my master. And to him, I am an absolute surrender. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Please say hi to the person next to you if you don't know who they are. Get to know them and you may be seated there. All right. We've been studying through the book of Ephesians. We've been going through portion by portion, uh, trying to examine every verse of scripture. And uh, we left off last Sunday in Ephesians chapter 5. We finished up with verse 21. So this morning, we're going to begin with verse 22 and uh, go all the way through verse 9 in chapter 6. So we're going to read that passage and then we're going to uh, spend some time examining that together. So Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22, all the way to Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 9. Paul writes here, he says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For as the husband is the head of the wife, so also Christ is head of the church and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. That he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. That he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh and of his bones." For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Chapter 6, verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you, that you may live long on the earth. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Born servants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and sincerity of heart as to Christ. Not with eye service as men pleases, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. With goodwill, doing service as to the Lord and not to men. Knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. And you, masters, do the same things to them, giving up threatening, knowing that your own master also is in heaven and there is no partiality with him. Just to quickly recap, Paul has spoken to us about our life in Christ in chapters 1 and 2. He's described the fact that or he's mentioned the fact that we are in Christ. We are in him. We are chosen in him. We are redeemed in him. We are covered with the love of God in Christ. Uh, We have been marked with God's seal of ownership. Uh, We are seated with Christ in heavenly places. And all of these wonderful things, he's mentioned about our life in Christ. 
And then from chapter 4, verse 17, he starts talking to us about our everyday life. How do you live everyday life as a Christian, as a believer? He, first of all, begins in chapter 4 from verse 17 onwards. He says, you know, you're not, you're not supposed to live as the unbelievers live. They live in the vanity of their mind. But you are a new creation and, 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 and our life in Christ is, is an expression of this new man, is what Paul says in Ephesians 4. And he says, this new creation man is created in the image of God, in righteousness and true holiness. So that means you and I have the capacity to be righteous and to be truly holy. You with me so far? Yes. And so then he, and then he says, this new man, what, what kind of a life would it be like? So he says, you don't lie to one another. He let him who stole, they don't steal anymore, you work with your own hands. Uh, you do what is right in the eyes of God. You speak words of grace and you build uh, each other up. So he talks to us about that. And then as we be- go into chapter 5, which we saw last Sunday, he said in, chapter, in the beginning of chapter 5, and also you don't have any fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. So you don't go around and play with sin and you don't part- be a participator in sin and what is wrong because you are light in the Lord. And you live as light in walking in righteousness, goodness, and truth. And as you walk that way, you will expose the unfruitful works of darkness. And then he moves on to talking about the spirit-filled life. He says, this is what a spirit-filled life is like. He says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the spirit. To be filled with the spirit means to live a life that is under the influence of the Holy Spirit. That's the normal Christian life. That we live life under the influence of the Holy Spirit. We invite the Spirit of God. Holy Spirit, you come, you fill me. You fill my emotions, you fill my mind, my thoughts, my actions, my reactions. I want to walk under your influence. And so we walk as Spirit-filled individuals. And what are the expressions of a Spirit-filled life? He says a person who is Spirit-filled, he will be singing songs and hymns and making melody in his heart to the Lord. He will be giving thanks for everything. That is, he has a heart of gratitude. And he finishes off in chapter 5, verse 21. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. So, what are the three characteristics of a spiritual life? One, it's a heart that is filled with worship or uh, adoration of God. Second, it's a heart that's filled with gratitude towards God. And third, it's a heart that's walking in submission to one another. Are you with me so far? Just a quick review. So if you look at Ephesians 5 and verse 21 once again, he says, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. So question mark. How many of us should submit to each other? All right. How many of us should submit to one another? Come on, guys. All of us, right? Not a trick question. Don't worry. (laughs) He says, all of us must walk in submission to one another. All of us must learn to yield. Submit means learn to yield. Okay. You know, if the other person has a better idea, yield to it. You know, I was in the gym, and this is like a couple of weeks ago. And, uh, you know, I, I don't like it when you go to the gym and somebody brings their music and plays loud. They think everybody likes it. So I saw this guy, you know, one day he came, he put his music for loud. I, I have my headphones on. So when I'm on the, on the treadmill or doing something, I have my headphones on, so it's okay. But I was like, very irritated. I was like, can't this guy understand? Not everybody would enjoy his music, you know? Ah, so 
first day i let it go the next day i i said okay you know i had already started exercising so i actually had to stop i got off the treadmill took off my headphones i went to him i said excuse me if you don't mind can you use your headphones you know he said no 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 in, in every gym they play loud music you know so he was unwilling to consider my request right so i'm just using it as an as an example where if somebody comes to you and makes a request uh you yield to it if that request is valid right but for him he was arguing that what he was doing was right until another person in the gym said no 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 what he's saying is right you turn off your music then he switched it off you know and uh, so the point is this the bible says Ephesians 5:21 you submit yourselves one to another submit yourselves one to another in the fear of god that means if what does it mean to submit it means i yield so if you've got a better idea you're saying something that's right and you know i may not be that that right or correct i yield to what you're saying i submit so all of us are to walk in submission to one another are you with me the reason i'm emphasizing this is wives i don't want you to feel bad because in the next verse he says wives submit yourselves to your own husbands just remember before he gets down on your case he's already told everybody submit to one another so wives you don't have to feel really bad he's already told that we are all supposed to walk in submission then he gets down to now he's talking about this spirit-filled life and this new creation life how it affects all our earthly relationships so in this passage that we read he talks about different earthly relationships he talks about the relationship between husbands and wives he talks about the relationship between parents and children and then he talks about relationships at the workplace between employers and employees the point is this we are new creatures we are seated in heavenly places we have a life in Christ we are new creation beings with our very nature of god and we are supposed to walk filled with the spirit but this life that we have should affect all our earthly relationships amen it's got to affect all our earthly relationships so we're just going to go through this passage and some of the things he talks about when it comes down to earthly relationships so let's look at you know from verses 22 to uh, verses 24 he's addressing wives he says um verse 22 to 24 wives submit to your own husbands as to the lord for the husband is the head of the wife as also christ is head of the church and he is savior of the body therefore just as the church is subject to christ so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything and uh, uh, just in the, in the last verse in chapter 5 verse 33 he also says wives you must respect your husbands so essentially in this passage and as a wife relates to a husband he he brings out two things he says wives submit wives respect submit and respect right submit means i yield respect means i honor i consider the other person worthy so that's what a wife is called to do why he, does he say that he says wives submit yourselves to your own husbands and let's just break this down here he says as to the lord you'll find him using this phrase as unto the lord in almost every of these relationships in every relationship i follow what god says because i want to do it as unto him so when a wife submits and respects her husband she is doing this as unto the lord in other words ultimately i am submitting and honoring 
the Lord Jesus Christ as I do this to my husband. Are you with me? Submit yourselves to your own husbands as unto the Lord. Lord, I'm doing this for you. I'm doing it unto you, Lord, as unto the Lord. But why must she do it? He says in verse uh, 20, uh, uh, verse 23, For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. So why must the wife submit? He says, okay, now I want you to think about the relationship that Christ has to the church. And throughout this passage, he's drawing the parallel. So we're going to draw many of these parallels between the relationship between Christ and the church and the husband and the wife. So he says, this is Christ is the head of the church. The husband is the head over the wife. So there is God's government. In God's government in the church, who is the head? Christ. In God's government in the home, who is the head? The husbands. So out of respect for God's government, the God, the God has put it this way, the government in the home, he's put the husband in charge, just as Christ is in charge of the church. He's the head of the church. Are you with me? So in the government at home, the husband is the head. And so when the wife submits to her husband and respects her husband, she is doing it as to the Lord and in honor of the government that God has put in place in the house. But I want you to see a parallel here. He says, Christ is the head of the church and he is the savior of the body. What the body experiences flows through Christ. Similarly, in the house. The husband is ahead and there is spiritual grace that flows into the home through the husband. Just as Christ, he is the savior of the body. What the body experiences flows through the head. At home, husband, you are, I wouldn't quote unquote savior, meaning what flows into your home comes through you. Spiritual grace flows through you into your home. This is not to say a wife cannot receive directly from the Lord. I mean, that's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying in the understanding the government of God, in the government of God, husband, you are a spiritual gatekeeper. And you release grace into your home because God's put you in charge. And what your home is going to experience will depend on what you do for your home. I'm talking to the husbands. Are you with me? So the wife submits and respects herself, uh, submits and respects her husband as unto the Lord. The husband recognizes that actually what comes into his home comes through him. Just as Christ is the savior of the body, he is the head in the home. Spiritual grace comes through him. It's important. He becomes a spiritual gatekeeper in the house. And then it says here, as unto the Lord. The other aspect of that meaning in verse 22, wives, submit your own selves, your own husbands. As unto the Lord also implies that whatever you do must honor God. So if your husband is going to demand that you, wives, I'm talking to you. If your husband demands that if you do something that's criminal, you have a right to be disobedient. Right? Because you've got to obey or submit as unto the So if, if your husband's demanding you to do something wrong, something that's sinful, something that's not honorable to God, you're called to submit to your husband as unto the it's very quiet here this morning. Quietness sometimes scary, right? <laughs> so at least if you say an amen, I get a little encouraged to think, okay, they're with me, not against me. No. They're for me, not against me. <laughs> All right, moving along here. And uh, now notice something. He says, wives, submit to your own husbands. 
to your own. Some wives say, I'll submit to the pastor, not my husband. No. You submit to your own. Now husbands, on the flip side, pay attention to this. Only your own wife is to submit to you. Don't expect all other women to submit to you. <laughs> like your own wife. That's just not applicable. You know, sometimes we men walk around. We think, man, every woman submit to me. <laughs> like my own wife. No. Your own wife submits to you. <laughs> Amen? So don't misuse this verse. Don't misapply it. And think that every, every woman is going to submit to you. No. You know, uh, it says, wives, submit to your own husbands. And then verse 24 says, in everything. And obviously that in everything is in context, which starts off in verse 22. As unto the Lord. So even that everything, you submit in everything. Yes, but it's got to be unto the Lord. It things that are honorable, things that are pure, and things that are right in God's eyes. A, a, a wife cannot be expected to submit to a husband in things that are unholy and, and, and not pleasing to God. Then he moves on to talking to husbands and how husbands should relate to their wives. That's verses 25 to 29. He says, husbands, uh, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. That he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. That he might <clears throat> present, herself, present her to himself a glorious church. Uh, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. But that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies, and he who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. So verse 25, the standard that God set for the husbands is really high. He says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loves the church. That's a really high standard. Christ loves the church when the church is messed up. When the church doesn't listen, when the church, uh, he still loves the church. The kind of love that husbands have to walk toward their wives is this agape love, this, this love of God, this unconditional love. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. That's, that's a high standard. But that's what we are called to do, husbands, to love our wives the way Christ loved. And then there are three main things he says a husband has to do for his wife. I'll, I'll touch on these three main things. He says, you love your wife, you nourish your wife, and you cherish your wife. Love, agape love, the God kind of love. You nourish, which is to nurture, to help her reach her put full potential. You nurture her. Now, especially in our day, in our time, it's quite possible that the wife... Uh, if she's a homemaker, that's wonderful, that's fine. But it's quite possible that the wife may, not, may also be involved in other things. May have a, a career, may have a desire to do other things. And we tend to, and so, not we, I'm saying sometimes husbands tend to come with the wrong idea. That, you know, once though I get married, the wife only sits at home. It's okay to go further down the road. <laughs> 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 but the Bible says you've got to nurture your, nourish, nurture. That means you help do what it takes for her to come out and bloom, to blossom, to, to be the best she is going to be or whatever she's called to be. So the husband's responsibility is to help nurture his wife, not suppress the wife. Husbands, amen. So you love, you nourish, 
and cherish. Cherish means to hold dear. So you hold your wife dear in your heart. I'll come back to these points a little later. But if you go back up into, uh, in, in, in verse 26, again, he, I want to look at the parallel between Christ and how he serves the church so that we husbands can learn what to do. He says, just as Christ, he sanctifies the church and he washes it with a washing of water by the word so that he may present the church to himself, a glorious church. So husbands, we've got to learn from that. So as a husband, I must sanctify my wife, set her apart. Sanctify means to set apart. I set her apart, sanctify. Just as what Christ is doing to the church, we husbands must do to our wives. You all with me so far? So what does he do to the church? He sanctifies, then he ministers to the church in order to present the church to himself the way he wants the church to be. A glorious church. So husbands, we must sanctify, set your wife apart. You know, there are many millions of women, only one wife. Set your wife apart. Second, you minister to her so that she can become what she has to become. So before we all get married, you know, we think, man, I'm going to have a glorious wife. But it's a process to get there. First, of course, is the wedding. But after that, you sanctify her. You minister to her. So that you can present her glorious. Are you with me? Not understood? You can fake ignorance. <laughs> so, what I'm trying to say is this. Husbands, I'm not trying to put the entire responsibility on us. I will balance it out. But what our wives become, we hold a large part of res- a, a large, we have a large significant part to play in what our wives Become. With me? Because what does Christ do for the church? He sanctifies her. He washes her so that he can present her to himself. A glorious church. Husbands, follow the example of, of, the, of Christ to his church. What must I do? I need to sanctify my wife. And I need to minister to her so that I can help her become glorious. Amen? And then he says in verse 28. Love your wife as you would love your own self. Husbands, love your wife as you would love your own self. Now here's the question and here's the problem. What if a man doesn't love himself? What if a man is struggling with his own identity? What if a man has not reconciled with his own self? He feels like, uh, he, he's not, you know, he, I mean, he, let's say he just doesn't take care of himself. Or he is, uh, he feels very, has a low, very, very low self-worth, a self, low self-value. What if a man cannot love himself? How will he end up treating his? Because it says, your husbands love your wives as you love your own. Are you listening? I think part of the problem that we have in husbands mistreating or not treating their wives properly is because they have not learned to accept their own selves. They're struggling inside with their own selves. And so they cannot love their wives properly. For instance, if a husband is insecure with who he is and what he's accomplished or what he's becoming, he's going to make sure he suppresses his wife, not lets her, let her rise. Are you with me? Yes. If a husband does not like what he is becoming, very likely he's going to interfere with what his wife is becoming. 
to make sure that's marred because he, what he's becoming is being marred. But then I also want to talk about the other part where it says there, husbands, you've got to nourish and cherish your wife. On the flip side, even if a husband is nourishing and cherishing his wife, if the wife is unable to accept that, if the wife is unable to receive love, receive the nourishment, receive the cherishing the husband is giving, she will all, and if she's unable to receive it, she'll always feel unloved, not cherished, not nurtured. And not because the husband is not doing it, but she does not have the capacity to receive it. So ultimately, it boils down to this, that both men and women, we, uh, we need to be whole inside spiritually to make marriage work at its best. Are you with me? And individually, our wholeness comes from Jesus Christ. So as a husband, I derive my wholeness from him. As a wife, she derives a wholeness from the Lord. Then everything works out well between them. Are you understanding this? Because if either one is, is not whole on the inside, there's going to be difficulty in giving love, giving nurture, giving um, cherishing, or there, there's going to be difficulty in submitting and respecting. Not because the other person is not worthy, but because there is brokenness inside. And if there's brokenness inside, I will also not be able to receive what is given to me. So what must we do? We need to receive wholeness from the Lord. All of us. Because we're all in some way hurt. And, 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 and you know, we've gone through stuff in life. And we have to admit it. But all of us, when we go to the Lord and say, Lord, I receive your wholeness. Then we can receive freely what our spouse is giving. And we can also release freely what we ought to release for our spouse. Are you with me so far? This is not to depress you this morning. This is to encourage each one of us and put priority where it should be. That first of all, we must all stand before the Lord saying, God, you are the shepherd of my soul. You make me whole on the inside. Because when you make me whole, I'll be able to be a better husband to my wife. And also be able to receive what my wife gives to me. Or I'll be a better wife to my husband and be able to give to him and receive from him in a better way. All of us need to do that. Amen. So marriage really was designed by God to be something wonderful and beautiful. But we need to come to that place of wholeness in Christ individually. Then we will be able to bless one another and experience marriage the way it's supposed to be. But until, uh, until then, there's going to be pain. There's going to be struggle. And, uh, and, and, and we need to work through things. I, uh, I also want to make the statement here that, okay, let's just look at the next few verses. Verses 30 to 33. Paul says, for we are members of his body, of his flesh and of his bones. He says, just like, you know, think about the church. The church is actually a part of Christ's body to the point where he says, we are actually his body's bones, flesh and bones. And then he says, you know, that's how, very similar to that, a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two will become one flesh. Verse 32, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and let each wife see that she respects her husband. This is verse 30 to 33. So what Paul is saying is this, you know, just as the church has become part of Christ himself, so also the husband, the wife, they become part of each other. They become one with each other. And he says, this is a great mystery. I can't explain to you how it happens, but it's a reality. It's real. 
Just as the church has become part of Christ so much so that he calls us his flesh and bones. He says in the same way, the husband and the wife are joined together. They become one. It's a spiritual reality. It's a great mystery, but that's what it is between Christ and the church. And that's what it is between the husband and the wife. Become one. So, marriage is a great discipleship too. To help both the husband and the wife become more and more like Jesus. Amen? If it's done right, it's a great discipleship to to get both people to become more and more like Jesus. So, how does discipleship happen at APC? They all get married. (laughs) Don't Don't say that. I just started. But truly... It's a great way to help each other grow into Christ-likeness. Now let's just finish the rest of the verses there in chapter 6. Verses 1, 2, and 3. Children, you obey your parents in the Lord because this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment of the promise that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. So children are called to do two, two things. You honor and you obey. Or you obey and you honor. Obey is you do what they tell you to do. Honor is you give them respect. Now, of course, when a child, when we grow up from being children into adults, then what do we do? We, I believe, we are no longer called to implicit obedience because now you are an adult. Now what you do is you walk with honor. Meaning now you're going to make your own decisions. You're responsible for your own decisions. So, you know, if you're a 25-year-old, you can't go and tell your husband, my daddy told me to do this. No, you're an adult. You make your own decisions. But you still honor your father and Mother, you still respect them. You're an adult. You're responsible for your own decisions. You make your own decisions. Of course, you can get counsel. You can get advice uh, from um, older people. So children obey and honor. Adults, you continue with honor. Now, when you do that, he says, there's a double blessing. Your life will be good and full of days. Long life, good life, and long life. That's the blessing of honoring your parents. Then in verse 4, he tells us, he speaks to parents. He, I know it says, and you fathers, but of course it, it's applicable to both fathers and mothers. He says, don't provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the training and in the admonition of the Lord. So the word training simply means to nurture them, to again, to bring out their best, to help them grow into their potential. You bring them up in the training and in the admonition. The admonition is in the warning, is in the rebuking, in the correction. You bring them up in the training and the correction to bring them up in the Lord. So that's what parents are, we are supposed to do. We've got to bring, up, bring them up into their full potential, bring them up into the will and the purpose of God for their life. But notice he says, don't provoke them to so sometimes when parent is abusive or oppressive, and I know we've talked about this in, when we talked about family and marriage, marriage and family, but when a parent is oppressive and abusive, it only gets the child to be angry and rebellious. Not only to the parent, but to all other forms of authority. It carries over. So it's important for us parents, you know, we need to discipline. So you need to train, you need to admonish. Admonish. So you need to train, you need to discipline, but we've got to do it in such a way that we don't break their spirit. That we don't be oppressive or abusive on them. We need to encourage them. And that's our responsibility before God. The last next few verses, he's talking about the workplace and the kind of, the, the kind of life we live in the workplace as new creation people, as spiritual people. And I'll just read those verses there. He says, bond servants, that means employees or subordinates. Be obedient to those who are your masters and must do what they say. Um, uh, with fear and trembling in sincerity of heart as to Christ. Again, as to Christ. Relationships in the family, as unto the Lord. Relationships in the workplace, 
as unto the Lord. So we really honor God when we follow his instructions in the workplace. When you're obeying your boss, you know, you're doing it as unto the Lord. And you do what's uh, uh, right in the eyes of the Lord. And verse 6, not with eye service as men please. I mean, you're not just doing to please him or you're not just doing when he's watching um, or when you're being supervised. But he says at all times, he says, you are a born servant of Christ. You're actually an employee of Christ. You're more than just an employee of your organization. You're actually an employee of Christ working in that or for that organization. So you do the will of God from the heart. So what do you do? You do it from your heart in your place of work. Do it wholeheartedly. And he says in verse 7, With good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men. Now, think about that. You know, you call a customer service line, say, yeah, what can I do for you today? Yeah, you know, and you know, like, man, whoa, I don't want to talk to this person, you know. Uh, Now, that doesn't make it any pleasant. But here he says, with goodwill doing service as to the Lord and not to man. So what you do, you do it with goodwill. You make it pleasant. Uh, You do it with goodwill and do it as to the Lord. Again, as unto the Lord. And not to men. So even if you're serving somebody. And even if they are rude. Or uh, you know, very um, uh, forceful. Whatever. You just be pleasant. And you do it as unto the Lord. And with goodwill. Doing service as unto the Lord. And knowing that you're going to receive your reward from the Lord. Now if you're an employer. Verse 9. If you're a supervisor. You're a boss. You're a manager. It says masters. You treat them right. You do the same things towards those who are working for you. Uh, don't use threatening. Threatening is basically you're controlling people with fear. So don't do that. Don't threaten them because you know you've got, you've got to answer to the Lord who's your master in heaven. Amen? So the point, just to sum up this whole thing here, this whole passage, essentially as believers, we've got to carry into all relationships our identity in Christ, this new life we have in Christ, and the spiritual life that we are supposed to walk in. Carry it in to all your relationships. And in every relationship, conduct yourself as unto the Lord. If I submit, I'm submitting as unto the Lord. If you're treating your wife, you treat her as I'm doing it to the Lord. If you're uh, treating your children, do it as unto the Lord. If you're honoring your parents, do it as unto the Lord. In your workplace, uh, as you're relating to your boss, your superiors, as unto the Lord. As you're relating to your subordinates, your uh, people are reporting to you, do it as unto the Lord. And everything, as unto the, amen? So we're going to take some time to pray. Just call our worship team up, please. And um, I really want us to pray about this area of our relationships because, you know, all of us have been hurt in some way or another. I don't think there's any person who can say, you know, I, I've got a perfect upbringing. I was brought up in heaven, sent down to the earth. You know? Hey, I don't think there's anybody like that. We've all gone through stuff in life. And so, uh, you know, we've been hurt and we've also in the process hurt others. Uh, by the things we've said, by the way we've reacted, or, and all kinds of things. So, the first thing that we must do is, first of all, ask God to forgive us for the people that we have hurt. You know? Uh, so, if you've hurt your spouse, if you've hurt your children, if you've hurt your parents, or if you've hurt people in the workplace, you know, it's important for us to go to God and say, God, I've hurt people. 
I want to be forgiven. Now in some cases you may be able to go and reconcile with them. That's great and I encourage you to do that. But in some cases you may not be able to. You know they're gone, they're moved away or fine. But at least get it right before God. Let's get it right before God. Ask forgiveness for those whom we've hurt. Second, we need to ask healing for our own hurts. But healing comes when we release forgiveness to people who have hurt us. Now here again, we may not be in contact with people who have hurt us. They've gone, they've moved on in life, whatever. That's fine, you know. But we can release forgiveness. Because if I carry unforgiveness towards that person, you know, he did this 25 years ago, still remember and still carry that hurt. If I still carry that unforgiveness, the only person being affected is myself. That person's moved on in life, gone doing whatever they're doing. But if I carry unforgiveness, the only person being affected is me. So what should I do? I say, God, it may be hard, but I want to release forgiveness so I can receive healing. Healing comes to us through forgiveness. When I release it and I receive it. But in order for me to receive forgiveness, I've got to release forgiveness. Forgive us as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. So forgiveness flows into my life to the proportion I release it. And through forgiveness, healing comes. Are you with me? So, for me to receive healing, I need to release. Now, even if it's something that your parents did, so you're growing up and you say, man, I'm an old man today. Oh, for, this happened 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Oh, listen, doesn't matter. If there is a hurt that we are still carrying in our hearts, maybe towards our parents or somebody else who's wronged us, and that hurt is there, release it. Release forgiveness. And third, we can ask God, Lord, you make me whole. Make me a person who's whole. You know, there's this saying that goes, hurting people hurt other people. Hurting people hurt other people. But when you're whole on the inside, you can love freely, you can bless freely. Even when people hurt you, it's not going to affect you. You can still love. But when you're hurting, you tend to hurt others. You with me? So, just let's remain seated, but let's engage with God, each one of us, this morning. First, we just want to release forgiveness. Somebody may have hurt us. Somebody may have wronged us. It could be years ago. It doesn't matter. Or it could be something recent and fresh. I just want you to pray in your heart and say, God, help me to forgive. And I forgive. I forgive that person. I'm not going to carry this unforgiveness in me. It may be harsh words, insults. Sometimes even just angry words, things that were spoken out in anger may not have been meant, but they just spoke it out in anger and but it hurt you. Just forgive. Sometimes it's rejection. It may have been passive rejection, meaning they may not have told you in your face, but in a very passive way they isolated you, rejected you and you recognize that, you're carrying it inside you you let it go say God I release it I release forgiveness God I release forgiveness
you also ask the Lord to forgive you, to forgive us for people whom we have hurt. Now, if you can think of people that you may have hurt, maybe by your words or things that were done, would you just say, God, please forgive me. I'm sorry for what I've said or done that hurt somebody else. Forgive me, God. Cleanse my lips, oh God. Put a watch over my mouth. I'll be careful with my words. Now let's ask the Lord to heal us. The Bible says he's the shepherd of our soul. He restores our soul. He repairs and makes whole our soul, our emotions, our hurts, our pains. He restores us. So could you just invite him and say, God, can you heal me? Please heal me. Please, this is hurting in me, God. You can be honest. You can be open with him. and Just tell him, God, this thing hurts. Could you heal me, God? Father, even now, let your healing flow over this place. Let the healing power of the Holy Spirit move upon every heart, every mind, move upon our emotions, Lord. Just healing us of the hurts, the wounds of the past. You know, it only takes a moment for God to release us. You can be free. Oh God, even from that rejection, release, release, bring release, God. Bring healing in the name of Jesus. Bring healing, God. Bring healing, God.
thank you for your healing, God. And I pray that the healing power of your Holy Spirit will reach to the depths of our soul, God. Just bring a complete release from all the hurt and the pain of the past. That we will be totally free inside of us because of the power of your Holy Spirit. Thank you, oh God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you. You know, if, if there's somebody here this, this morning and you've just had a door shut on your face, and I'm not sure exactly what situation it is, whether it has to do with your work, your job, or some other relationship, but you've just had a door that slammed on your face, and it's like, God, what's happening? I just believe I, I need to release this word for you that God will open up that door. So even though right now it seems like that door just shut on your face, I believe God's going to open up that door for you. He's going to make that way. So don't get discouraged. Don't get disappointed. God's going to open up that door. So I just want to know, is any person you came here this morning and you said, God, I want to step into ministry. And uh, that was what your prayer was. I want to step into ministry. Does anyone here, you just put your hand up. You came here this morning saying, yeah, that was my prayer. I want to step into ministry. So one, just put your hand up right here. Don't feel the same. One, two, one, two, three. Anybody else? Okay. Fine. I'm just going to pray over you. It's going to bless you. You know, one of the things that you might be struggling with is God, but I'm not ordained. And I'm just reminded of John 15, verse 16, where Jesus said, You haven't chosen me, but I've chosen you. And I have ordained you to go and bear fruit. And that your fruit should remain. So that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he'll give it to you. So I just want you to receive that this morning. If you came in here this morning saying, God, I, I want to step into ministry. I want you to take this as your confirmation. That God, Jesus giving you this. I have ordained you. You haven't chosen me, but I have chosen you. I have appointed you. I'm sending you to go bear fruit. So let me just pray over your life. Just, Father, I pray for these people. God, I've just been praying here saying, I want to step into ministry. And God, in whatever way, in whatever area of call, in whatever vocation, whatever area you want them to minister. Father, right now, I release the appointment that comes from you, Jesus, upon their lives that you've already spoken. You've said, I appointed you. I ordained you. And God, that they will go forth and bear fruit, fruit that will remain. And so I bless them. I bless this desire. I bless this prayer that they've been praying. And God, I pray you'll enable them. You will direct them. You will cause them to be fruitful, God, even as they obey you and do the work you've called them to do. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. All right. Before we close this morning, just want to give an invitation for anybody who's not received Jesus into your life. Maybe you're here this morning, you've been visiting, or you've come here a few times, but you never received Christ as your Lord, as your Savior. I want to give you an opportunity to do that. I just want to invite you to pray this prayer with me right now. If you'd like to receive Jesus into your life, let him be your Lord. Let him be your Savior before we close. So let's just bow our heads in prayer, please. 
If there's anyone here, you've never received Christ into your heart as your Savior, as your Lord, and you'd like to do that, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Just say this after me. Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my life. Forgive my sin. Make me a child of God and help me to follow you the rest of my life. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So are you happy you came this morning? I know it's kind of a very sober service. But God needs to do a work in our hearts to make us able to love and to receive love. All right, let's close. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God our Father and the sweet fellowship of His Holy Spirit be with each one of us always in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a good Sunday. See you again. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.